Hello, welcome to the Turnham podcast. The Lily Whites taught the students a lesson tonight in Oriel Park. Joining me to get kick things off, we have Gally. Chris is going to be joining us a little bit later on. Even, even not too bad. Them shades that they're there. You're American, you American. We've lost you. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, what do you think of the match tonight? Yeah, it's uh, look, it's a cracking win. It's especially after last week. I know. Uh, we. I, I don't. I don't want to break up into two halves. We will be breaking up into two halves for obvious reasons. I. I did dread coming up the half time. Not to fast forward too much, but we're going to have another Shelburne game on our hands. Yeah, it was going to be one of these dull affairs and nothing happened. It seemed to start, you know, I noticed a downpour of rain all day. And just before the game, we had heavy torrential look, from the stand and looking monsoon rain. You know, it's like, it's like putting water out the night before it freezes over and it's just slippery. But, you know, UCD, to our credit, like we said it here before, they're an excellent football team. Like they, they really are. They pass the ball really well. I know they haven't got that kind of biting edge up front but they're, they're an excellent team they're very difficult to deal with they're very quick on the ball they didn't give Dundalk a minute from the off now having said that Dundalk didn't help themselves they seemed to be a little wayward with passes early on but there wasn't really anything I, I don't want to say there was nothing separating them in, in the first half but they were both that poor I suppose that's probably why there was nothing separating them um, it was just kind of a it really needed it, it, as cliche as it, it needed a goal it, it but we probably needed half time, you know. It, it kind of lit up in the second half, but the weather got a little bit better. But without jumping forward, I I thought it was it was one of those games that it, it could have dwindled out very. Like a, a goal for UCD really in the first half could have really changed what happened in the second half. Like if they, if they didn't nick the goal in the first half, it, it was that flat of a first maybe thirty minutes. Like there was nothing really happening. Like I, I had my daughter with me and my niece at the first set of games, like. They were bored tears. They were sugar, they were sugar rush eating the sweets. They were, they were bored tears at the first half. I thought he was going to have to go home at half time and take them home. But I, I don't know if you were watching or listening. I don't know what it was like on the, on the on the commentary. But to watch, it wasn't for the first half anyway. It just didn't really get going at all for me. And yeah. you might have thought different listening to it. But. No, I, I I was able to watch and and listen the first half. I got to see all the second half just with the. I don't yeah. want to badmouth when Chris isn't here. I don't want to badmouth the stream too much, but <laughs> it, it might be the the website that I was using to stream the match. Um, but yeah, I I think you know watching it as you say that first half it it did seem flat. It seemed, I mean, I don't I don't want to I don't want to let everybody in on the secret that you got your uh, score prediction right, Gally, for the match tonight, but. When I seen, you know, we were going up against UCD, considering the last time when we played them up in Belfield a few weeks back, I thought it was going to be a tight affair. And yeah. to be fair, I thought they defended very well in the first half. It, it seemed to me like our only game plan was get the ball out to McCarry or someone on the right wing in the first half and cross a ball in. And, yeah. you know, later on in the match, I think it worked, but it just didn't seem to be working, did it, in the first half? But it just seemed like we, it was just rinse and repeat you know, at least for towards the the end of the half, those last fifteen minutes, it was literally just get the ball out wide, get the ball in the box, and they just seemed to stand up well to it. You know, and I suppose yeah. if you're just repeating it all over and over again, it, it's easy enough to defend against. But as you say, to UCD's credit, they they set up well um, in the first half. They made it hard for us. They made it difficult to play the ball through the middle. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that first half, it, to me, it just seemed like it was going to be uh, it was it was going to be one of those nights, didn't it? And, yeah. That, that was always the fear, like especially like we've talked about before, but especially with the Shelburne game and look at the UCD game there as well at Belfield. 
you know, it used to be Bray Wanderers. Bray Wanderers coming to Oriel Park used to be like a sticky wicket for Dundalk. And now it seems to be these, it seems to be Shelburne and UCD at the minute. And like you said, the, the way the game started, it was fearful at half time. You look at a couple of changes, early goal in the second half as well, not to, to, to plow on straight through it, but yeah, badly needed. It was badly needing a goal. And I, I won't say we were overly comfortable when we scored. McMillan's finish is, is fantastic. But you can see the difference in a, in a David McMillan playing up front and a, and a Pat Hoogan playing up front. Those, it, it's, not that he, it's not that he doesn't run, but it, it's Pat just plays so deep. And I, you know, would I, like you said, rinse and repeat, we're talking about Pat Hoogan here all the time, but he just brings so much to the game forward or down the field in his own, in his own kind of the midfield. And that's, what, that's what's kind of missing with Davey. It's not that it's missing, it's just a different player. It's just a different type of player. But the UCD lads, I mean, I, I'd say they kill, I kicked themselves at the end of games because they've, they've played decently well. They just don't have, like I know the guy, I know Kerrigan and them and a couple of injuries, but they're probably one of the best footballing teams in the league. And they seem to just, they just don't seem to be able to finish teams off or get clinical points away from home. Or, and it's a pity on them, you know, in the second half, it just died away from them. I mean, they could have, they could have played with Tuckleen. Once Keith Ward comes on the field and Ryan O'Kane, I know we've gone on with Ryan O'Kane for a long time now, but he, like his runs, him and Ward, linked up really well in the second half. And, Look, I think once we took the one in the league, we definitely, you know, we were in charge of the game then. And although they've had a decent, I'd like to see the possession. I don't think UCD, I don't think we batted them on possession. But I mean, our finish and our quality, you know, um, although UCD are a fantastic conveyor belt for the league of players, they can't hold on to players. So that experience in that squad doesn't last too long. They might get a season, maybe two seasons out of it. Whereas we have those experienced players that come on and do what they've done in the second half. And I just think, you know, once we got the goal, it, it didn't look like any other result. Now, I didn't expect 3 0, to be honest, to come to half time, but, you know, it, it really didn't look like anybody else in the second half. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think, you know, the, the second half, we, we obviously we started bright again. We scored two goals from out uh, in those wide areas where I said it was rinse and repeat, but I think it was probably yeah. the longer the longer UCD were going to be able to hold on, the, the harder it was going to be. And to get that goal, I think we got it on 50 minutes, was it, uh, yeah. Davy Max? It was, it was quite early in the first half or the second half. So I think getting it that early just deflated them and they had to back off. They had to kind of go for it a little bit so they didn't sit as deep. They left spaces. And I, I think, as you say, when the likes of Wardy comes on, he's able to exploit those spaces. I mean, yeah. there was one stage in the second half, I think a pass came into him in the middle and he, he don't need to let it go go on to the next player. And it's, there's not many games in the in the league this season where he's going to get that be afforded that time, you know. Um, but as you say, I think to UCD's credit, like they are such a good football inside, um, and they are they are hurting with injuries and and, and the Kerrigan news and obviously uh, Colin Whelan who destroyed us up in Belfield. Yeah, you know, he's absolutely. out for the season. You know, I think I think he's obviously a big miss. But I think it's just one of them where. I'd say the longer that it had stayed 0-0, it would have probably, you know, they might have been able to hold on, but the fact that we scored so early in the second half, I think, made a big difference. And as you say, it was it was a great finish by McMillan. I mean, that's that's probably that's it's probably yes. a, a trademark McMillan yeah. goal, isn't it? You know, it's it's the kind of one you expect kind of from him because you just rifle it into the top of the net. Yeah, um, it's almost the like not the, like we mentioned Pat Hoogan there a minute ago. It's it's a non-Pat Hoogan goal, I suppose. That that's what probably what Davy Mack gives you that Pat wouldn't. So there's a flip side of that as well. But I mean, once the substitutes come on, Wardy come on, like that experience coming on through, even Bone came on in midfield. You know, we talked Greg Slogger had another cracking game. And you mentioned McCarry. I mean, if McCarry had a left foot, he probably scores two himself. He's cut in so many times. 
I don't know if he doesn't use it too often in training. Like he's had one snap shot with his left foot, but if he got if he got really in the zone, he definitely could have a two tonight because he's cut in so well off the right. But look at Dan Kelly as well. Dan Kelly's probably covered. I don't know what the stats sports boys have on the on the monitors for tonight, but there's definitely a couple of kilometers in the, in, on the right wing tonight alone with McCarry and Dan Kelly. But yeah, I think Davy Mack needed that. I think it, the game needed it badly, and then from then it it almost became the Keith Ward show. Some of his little touches just you know, we, look, we could talk about Keith Ward to the midnight. We can do one of our old school two and a half hour podcasts. Probably the last time when our guest coming up, the last time he was on, there were two and a half hour podcasts. We do have a time to know, but um. Yeah, look, like you said, those lads there, McCarry in particular, had a fantastic game, but the run of, they had the run of the wing. I mean, their left back which just wasn't, wasn't up to the boys at all. I mean, you can see that the stature of McCarry's grown as well over the last couple of months. I mean, he's all, he, he looks like a man now. There was, he played like a young kid at the start. And, you know, coming into this kind of start of the season, or start of the halfway mark of the season, games like that are vital. And look, it looks like we... I won't say... like. You could say the result flattered us, but in the second half alone, we were definitely worth two nil at least. And look, like I, 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 it was like a different team in the second half. Whatever was said at half time, you probably murdered them. But I think the lack of rain in that second half probably played into our hands as well. But yeah, a fantastic second half. We can probably just skip, literally skip the first half. But yeah. um, another fantastic second half in the lads. Yeah, no, and I, I think, you know, as you say, it's it's a good point, actually, and I think now's the right time to just remind everybody that's listening in, um, get your nominations in for the man of the match tonight. Um, there is there is a couple that's probably in contention tonight, and you if you um, let us know and you pick the same as us, you'll be in with a chance to win a 15-inch pizza from Tony's Pizzeria. Um, just when you mentioned, you know, Sloggett having a great game, I think, again, tonight in a, in a game, obviously, where we had space in midfield, I think, again, it shows, doesn't it, the... The partnership between him and Paul Doyle is 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 something special that's growing, and yeah. they're two players you'd hope that are, are with the club for the long haul. And hopefully now, you know, Stevie O'Donnell is looking at that, and he's able to build kind of our team around a midfield duo of that. It's, it's been a long time since since Dundalk FC has had a midfield, probably since mm. Shieldsy, Shieldsy and O'Donnell himself that we've actually yeah. had a centre midfield pair and like that. That that seems to be controlling games, isn't it? Yeah, and when you and when you have two, and we don't want to become the Greg Slogger show because we mention Greg all the time, but when you have two players like that, which we didn't have last year, you have that freedom for uh, Robbie Benson to, to let loose and a Keith Ward when he comes on. But it's getting to the stage. Well, not, it's not getting to the stage. It's at the stage where Greg Slogger for me, we probably can't go without him. We probably can't do it without him. I, I just think his range in the last twelve months alone. I know you're right off last season almost, but. For me, like I, we knew when he would be signed, him, he was a cracking fucker. He'd done it at UCD. He was fantastic at Derry. But I mean, he's like a, he's like a different animal. He really is. Um, whatever's going on in training, maybe just a mindset thing. You know, happier club. You know, different staff, new owners. Um, you know, got kind of feel good factors back. Steph would be loving this, but I hope he clips this bit out of the show. This would be the part, the positive positivity section for him. But and Doyle and Benson just complement that. I mean. We worried for Paul Doyle at the start of the season. We kind of, you know, we had lads talking that he was going to be the, the best signing we could make and stuff like that. It kind of didn't happen for him early on. But tonight, and I even just when you mentioned Paul Doyle, I just thought of it, he, he actually came off the field onto the subs bench. And Stevie actually took him back off the subs bench and was talking to him about what he was after doing in the game. Like stuff like that. That man managed, even though he's been subbed off, he's still talking to him. You know, he, it's, 
that's what we were looking for. You know, that kind of man manages the lads know what to stand. He's explaining to them where he's wrong. He's not waiting for tomorrow to tell him. This is why maybe he's explained this way of taking you off. You know, this is where you went well. We don't know, but you know, that kind of man management that Stevie brings to it. You can see it on the lads. You I mean Mark Connolly as well, it's a nice good game. You know, contract talks going on, he's been the talk of the town for the last couple of weeks, but you know, fantastic. You know, the, the two lads you've mentioned, actually for me, slogging was sensational tonight, really was. Yeah, I think just mentioning Mark Connolly there, I think in the first half he was getting a nosebleed, he was that high up the pitch at times. <laughs> um, he, w- he wouldn't be used to in games having that kind of space in front of him, you know. So, like, I think at one stage I saw him, he was up near the edge of the box, you know. Yeah. Um, the exactly, exactly. Um, but I suppose, look, moving on to the second goal that came from a corner, I believe. Um, who did you think scored it? Because that, that was a hot topic of debate on the commentary today. Well, or, I had, like, from, from where I sat in the stand, it, I know I did see Slaughter get the touch, but to me, it, I don't know if it went in slow motion. I thought I was sure a defender, there was two touches after that. Just from the angle now, obviously that lovely Perspex glass that's in the stand blocks half of view and the, and the old the old beam that that our guests will remember as well because they, they were there when he played. Um, it, it looked for me, it took that long, but like it was almost a muted applause. Nobody knew if it was a goal. Nobody knew if it was offside. Nobody knew if it was a handball. It, to me, it looked like it took two touches. It's gone down as a slogger goal. I thought it was another touch after, but look, that's... I, I, Greg will take it all day to add it to the tally. If it's, I, I'm assuming that they announced it as his goal, so I'm assuming it's gone to him. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think it looked. But it again, looked from, from the replays, it looked like it was either Slogger an own goal or it was Adams got the final touch. It's hard yeah, to tell. It's, it's, yeah, Adam, but, it, it, to uh, me, it looked like there was two other touches. Now, I don't know who's first or who's Adidas predators were on it, but I did, the only touch I did see was Greg Slogger. So for me, it is his goal. But look, I'm, I'm open to correction on that. But again, yeah. look, it's sloppy goals. But I mean, you know. We've earned it in the second half. Yeah, I think uh, I think Gavin McLaughlin on social media gave, on the club's official social media gave them both a half a goal each. So uh, oh, half a goal. Yeah, Adam, that's that's fine. Adams and Slogger for that one. Then I, look, at, we'll go on to the last goal before we bring in our guest uh, from one of your favourites, Scally. Uh, he's he's in your top one, I think, this season. Uh, Keith Ward stepped up oh. with another goal this season. Yeah. And- Another ex UCD man too. Another, I, I, do you know what? I was actually going around. We had Doyle, Snoggett, uh, Wardy, McMillan, Boyle. Like how many ex UCDs were on that team tonight? That's like that's the club they are. Unfortunately, you know, people poaching up there. But Wardy tonight when he came on, and it's simple things, you know. And even for the goal, it's a great ball in, but it's first time. There's none of this. Take a touch, have a think. It's first time, and that's what that's what I mentioned. The experience that comes into play. He knows the space he has. It's kind of almost behind him. It's nearly under his feet. But he knows exactly where the keeper's going to go. He's able to put it to the keeper's left. And yeah, look, it's a fantastic finish. And look, there's nobody there's nobody you want to see scoring more goals than Keith Ward. He just has that. You know, Robbie Benson's probably one as well. But he just has that kind of rapport with the fans. And when he scores, even if I bet 6-0 and he's, he's getting one, you know, he might get one at the end and make it 6-1, he still gets a rapture clause. And players like that, the say of that kind of that kind of euphoria really because he has something that nobody else has he, you know he's probably the best we've had since Patrick McElhenney now, I know that's not that long ago but a good you know a fit fully fit Patrick McElhenney has been maybe two seasons away but it's a fantastic finish fantastic. like experience you know first time no messing knows where everybody is knows what defenders are perfect yeah yeah well, look, I think going from one Dundalk legend or a soon-to-be Dundalk legend, we'll bring in another um, a fan favourite. Hopefully, Chris will be on in a couple of minutes because I know he wanted to have a good chat with uh, with our guest. But let's welcome former Dundalk FC goalkeeper, Alan O'Neill. Alan, Hello, lads. How are you? 
Oh, good things. to be on. How's Not things? Yeah. Oh, I was just, I was going through the, the shows earlier on today, and it's just over a year since you were on. I didn't actually think it was 12 months that you've been on the show last year. Yeah. It was May, I think it was May 25th, around, around that kind of time you were on. And like, I, I don't know if you got to watch the match, but the, the first question I just wanted to I ask you just. I did, I saw the game. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, we, we'll, go, we'll go to your views on the match first, and I'll keep the question there for a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. So I what did you think your, overall? Your views on the game, and I, I couldn't disagree. First half was kind of a non event. Um, yeah. UCD never posed a threat the whole game for me. They never really. Nathan Shepherd was never under any pressure whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I thought the quality of Dundalk's cross, and we, we you spoke about Lewis McCarty going up the right wing, but the quality of the crossing wasn't good in the first half. And it seemed to be the only, it was, it was only plan A, and that's all there was in the, the first half. And yet yeah. in the second half, was it Daniel Kelly who crossed the goal for the, crossed the ball? The first really yeah. quality cross that went in scored. And then the second one was that was another cross. It was a corner, albeit. So then the game, I felt once the first goal went in, the game was over. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It just I had mean, that UCD it. it did, yeah. I mean, you always were fearful in the first half. Yeah, they, they won't get a chance. But UCD will get one chance, and they'll take it. But once the dog scored, that, that game was over, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, and that's the way it proved. And uh, yeah, second half very convincing. UCD, I think we say the same things about UCD. I've, yeah. Anytime I've been asked questions about UCD over the last 20, 25 years, it's the same thing. I did play for them, but I played with a very experienced UCD team the only time they yeah. had an experienced team. Since then, like they are a conveyor belt. I would always have them in the league because they do produce players. I mean, what was it? Dundalk yeah. had six ex-UCD players tonight. They do produce players. They give players a chance. And uh, I will always have them in the league. But as as, as 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 you said yourselves, they'll always lose them. As, as soon as they, yeah. they become real players and are spotted, they're gone the next season. They don't have that con continuity. They'll be there a year or two. If they do well, they're gone. But that's the way it is. And as I say, I would always have used to be. Good evening, Chris. Hey, Alan, how are you? Gents, how are you? Not too bad. Uh, Alan, yeah. just, just, hey, um, just a Oh, Just good. on the UCD, do you think they're? Do you think the results? I don't want to say deserved, but do you think it's harsh on the way they play football? Like, I mean, but like we can talk about the way people play football, but it's a results business at the end of the day. But do you think it's almost slightly harsh on them when you see them moving a the ball the way they move and their fitness levels are sensational for students at the yeah. end of the day? I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. But for me, it's always a results-driven business. Yeah. And they're always going to come up against. They. You spoke about. The players that Dundalk came brought on the second half, Keith Ward, who's been around as long as Keith Ward been around the league yeah. and has been yeah. a quality player, they can bring him on the second half. UCD don't have that luxury exactly, yeah. from the start of the game, so it's the experience I feel at that level. They'll always do well. They'll do very well in the first division, but as soon as they step up, they lose they lose their top players, and then it's a battle for the rest rest of the season. So they're always going to be a yo yo club, you know, um, but. Yeah, they do try, and they've always played the game the right way. They've always tried to get the ball down, pass it, but it just doesn't happen for them. They don't have the experience to take them through it. Yeah, yeah look, Alan, I, I only come in just the end of the, of the conversation there. One thing just with UCD, Alan, that, you know, and you were talking about you you played at the time where there was some experienced players were able to mix in, am I right, when kind of Doc had it opened up for... It was for only for yeah. 
Um, are UCD missing a trick slightly that I'm, I'm thinking that we're, we've got footballers who have short, um, I suppose, lifespan in sport and probably, especially by the tail end of your career, you should really be thinking about your life after football. Yeah, Is there yeah, an opportunity yeah. for UCD maybe to, to tap better into getting experienced players back in for their education in their latter years to, to boost up their squad, do you feel? Yeah, there's a yeah, there is a there is a question of that, all right. But the whole ethos of UCD is about students who are in the college, and it's aimed more towards the younger students. They don't bring back mature students. The time yeah. I was in, when I, I was two years in UCD, we weren't in we weren't in the college. Yeah. We were just uh, we were ordinary part-time professionals who played with other clubs, and UCD came in to decide that they were going to have it, see how it would work mix the, the, the uh, ordinary players with the students. And it worked really well because yeah. they had some really, really good players at the time. And then you brought in those likes of Paddy Dunning, Robbie Gaffney. This has gone way, way back now, lads. We're yeah. going back nearly 40 years. But that that was lasted two years and that was it gone. And they realized yeah. then, look, we can't do this. And the whole ethos of UCD is to get young players in, giving them an education. So it's not, I mean, players who go to UCD, it's not just about their football education, it's about their life education as well. Mm. So they're not wholly dependent on football yeah. all their lives. I mean, David McMillan, he could he has a degree in I don't know whether he's a business, some sort of business degree. He's made architect. He, he can go his football career is over. He can go elsewhere. So that's yeah. the, the beauty of UCD and the players they bring in. I, I get what you're saying with mature students, but mature students tend to not be ex-footballers you know they're <laughs> lads who go back for their education so i i, I don't think that they're, they're losing that way yeah um I, I suppose alan you 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 popped into my mind this week and, and it was a big reason for, for coming back on because um just earlier in the week we we had paul being on from uh kitcon ireland and uh, which is the first uh first ever uh, conference for football kits in ireland in the Imperial Hotel tomorrow. And when I think of iconic kits, I think you know where I'm going with this one, Alan. Um, I, I think straight away to, to a certain Swedish jersey. And I ended up- I can go up and get it now, Chris. I have it upstairs. <laughs> uh, I went down yes. the wormhole on YouTube and ended up watching the whole 88 Cup final then. <laughs> Just, just to see it again in, in, in all its in all its glory. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's such an iconic image, you know. It, it, well, actually, when I roll back to that final, because you know the whole build up to that ADA final was all about Derry, wasn't it? Derry's first ever big final, and, oh, and, absolutely. and the absolutely. atmosphere, and and they packed out Daily Mount that day. They did. I mean, we had. I, I suppose we had maybe. A, a third of the ground, but they had two thirds of it. But it was just a mass of colour, red and white and black and white. And it was it was fantastic. But as you say, it was it was all about Derry City. And yes, the previous week we had won the league. So we were going for a double. That but that seemed to be lost in the whole romance of Derry coming back into or starting in the League of Ireland and an opportunity to win the Blue Ribbon Trophy, the FAI Cup. So it was lost on that. But it wasn't lost on us because we had a team of very, very experienced players. I'm just bring it on as far as we were concerned. And at that stage, 
you know, we, we were ready for anything. And having beat, won the league the previous week, we wanted to go. I can still remember the determination in the dressing room. You know, we wanted it. We really wanted it. It didn't matter who was it, Dirty City, whoever. And I think they had signed a few players as well. Um, uh, that's right. I think Paul your striker Bummer was playing a few games. With for yeah, that's right. Yes, so yes. They, brought, they signed him for, like, it didn't matter to us. You know, really didn't. But great occasion. And, oh, yeah, I think back with such fond memories. And then the whole afterwards. It was funny because we'd won the league in Oriel the previous, I think, with Friday week. About 10 days previous, we played it on the Friday. Then the cup final was the following Sunday week. So there was a bit of a gap. But you still couldn't really let yourself go and enjoy the league win because the cup was coming up after. But then when you won the cup on top of the league and then the whole euphoria going back up to Dundalk, Hill Street. Yeah. yeah. The Hill Street Blues didn't exist for us. It was Hill Street <laughs> magic. It was just unreal. It was, it was a magnificent experience. And, Something that we, we, we had a, a bit of a reunion there a couple of weeks ago. And mm -hmm. we got to see, um, I was up there in Oreo. And uh, like, we still talk about it. We have our memories all the time. And it's, it means so much to us. And, you know, and that came up, the, 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 the open deck bus parade through Dundalk. Yeah. Which doesn't happen anywhere else. It just doesn't. And like, to experience that, it was just unreal. I, I'm assuming the, the, the Swedish jersey came as part of your um, call-ups for the Irish amateur squad at the time. Was yeah, that right? No, it was the Olympic squad. It was oh, the, the Olympic, Olympic squad. squad. I was I was very superstitious, very superstitious as a goat. So I had me various little things that happened before games. But I was playing in the Olympic team, and the Olympic team was made up of all League of Ireland players. And we played Sweden, and we played Sweden over in Malmo. Yeah, I think it was Malmo, but uh, I swapped the jersey, my own, my uh, Irish jersey afterwards for the Swedish jersey, and I had a particularly good game that I remembered. So I said, right, that's it. And this jersey was very fashionable at the time as well for goalkeeper. It was always into me fashion, Chris, but it was very fashionable. <laughs> they were all wearing it. I remember Van Brooklyn for Mock uh, Forest, the German keepers, they all wore it as well. So I said, oh, I want to be part of this as well. So I started wearing the jersey and everything yeah. was fine. Like no one said anything. <laughs> we start coming up near the end, end of the season and we're in the running for the league and we're in the running for the cup. And back then, it's not like now where, we're, where you're on TV every week. Like yeah. it wasn't like that then. It was only sporadic. But as we were getting nearer in the near the end of the season, we were on the telly all the time. So I remember we were sponsored by Harp and Harp were a bit aggrieved that there was no Harp signal or uh, sign on the front of the jersey. All the other lads had the Harp jersey, but there was none on mine. I remember Tony coming to, I got away with it for all the league. And then we're coming up to the cup final, which is going to be televised live. And Tony came up to me the week before. He says, you have to do something about the jersey. I said, what? We have to put the harp logo on it. I said, but totally, you can't change it. And this is me, yeah. super sick. You can't change We've no choice. Either you put the harp logo on or you don't. Well, I said, totally, if we lose this cup final, it's your fault. I'm telling you. <laughs> but that's how it came to. And I I do have, I still, it's the only jersey I have. Yeah. Of all the jerseys I have down to, well, I must give it up to the club. But it's, uh, yeah, I still have it. And that was the story of it. And it was superstition more than anything else. And uh, yeah, yeah, great memories. To me, uh, great memories. To me it's so yeah. iconic. 
because like all the all the photographs and everything after when you're doing the laps you know you're you're in that jersey and you know initially when i'd seen so much of the photographs a lot of them were black and white so it's not always obvious but yeah you know when, when you see it in color and you see the blue you're all right well hang on a second that that jersey's you know that can't it's be right at all yeah the black boy you red white and i have blue <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was great how, how would you rate how would you rate that you know 87 88 team versus say the, the 91 team then very difficult i mean i think between the two teams firstly i'd say great credit was due to turlock hmm. for having the putting the 88 team together first and then we lost a good few players when by the time we went to cork i think it was only half of the team maybe five self terry martin gino um evo and i think i think it was five who played in both very different teams the 91 team was very very dis i mean we had a great defense we really had i think we that was the year we conceded 16 goals in 33 games yeah conceding five in the first game you know so we did conceded 11 goals in 32 games we went through all the all the season everything was nearly one nil one nil one nil whereas i think there was the, the 88 team there was a lot of really great individual players the likes of martin murray the late and great barry Joe, desi gormand these were larry wise great players off the cuff you know they had loads of natural talent whereas i thought the 91 team more of a team if you know what i mean complementing yeah. each other where we had great individual players in the 88 game but both you know very successful both you know both was a i mean i was very fortunate to play in both of them i loved yeah. playing on both sides yeah it's always scary alan when you when you when you talk about the players you play with you know they're every one of them including yourself you know the legendary status within the league you know and and you know it's it, when you talk about you know that there were two fantastic teams i i really don't think that's you know lost on us at all because a lot of those players we i think we would all say that you know they would be of legendary status to us and to to be in two of those teams it's it's a real honor for yourself like absolutely absolutely no question like we we spoke earlier i spoke earlier about the two years at ucd well i've been at rovers had been like rovers and went to ucd at the end of the ucd uh experience if you like I was free and I let it be held to Turlock that I wanted to go to Dundalk. And that's, it started with that. To be given an opportunity, I knew, I, you know, to be given an opportunity, he was starting from scratch. I knew that because Dundalk had a couple of years where it was a very barren spell then. And he was putting the team together. But, and I hadn't, I'd only experienced playing against Dundalk at that stage. You know, yeah. to feel when you went up there, how I mean, initially I didn't have great. Like I hold my hands up, I wasn't great in the first few games. But once I had settled into it, you know, to feel that you, I always felt you weren't just playing for yourself. You were playing for a town, a whole town, a whole community up there. But then to be playing, then to be with these both sets of players over six, seven years, I always maintained in my career. I, I had a very, I was very lucky in my career. Play for some, some of the good, some really good teams. But I always maintain I, I was at my best when I played for Dundalk. It was, uh, I think, it was between twenty-seven and thirty-four. And I always maintain goalkeepers 
peak at about 30. That's because you, you gain all that experience. And I do feel that you peak around that stage. So to be playing, I felt at my best. And I was fortunate to play in Olympic teams. I've been called up with the international team. But that was all down to the players I was playing with and the success we had at Dundalk. So, like, it was, it was just a great experience. I mean, I can look back fondly on my career. And in particular, times at Dundalk, which are magical times for us. Dean, are you there? Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Alan, Alan um, I suppose, look, stepping forward yeah. to, you know, this season with Nathan Shepard coming into the team, he, he's been a bit of a revelation this yeah. season. Um, how do you feel he's doing and how much credit is your brother uh, is your brother Dermot taking for his, uh, his good performance? Oh, it's all down to Dermot. He told me. Yeah. Dermot told me it's all down to him. <laughs> oh, I have spoken to him about him. and he's, he, Dermot is very complimentary about him. Not just the way he's played. And I did see him play. I saw him playing tonight. Well, like, you couldn't judge any um, on tonight. But I saw him against Bowes there a couple of weeks back. Very assured, very calm. And you can see his relationship with his back four. They have confidence in him. You know the way they play. There's never any panic. And he, I saw him against Bowes, as I say. Very assured, very calm. Good decision-making. But what I spoke to Dermot, when I was talking to Dermot about him, he says, I mean, as well as being a very sound lad, and I've, I've read about him as well. I've read reports from Brentford on him. And they're saying what a sound lad he is. Now, I think he's only 21. Yeah. I think he's only 22. But the reports yeah, yeah. on him from Brentford was what a sound lad he was. He came in, set whatever team, underage team he came in, made captain immediately, very highly thought of, a leader on the pitch and off the pitch was the quote I saw. But I was and talking to Dermot about him as well. He said he's very self-analytical about himself. Like at the end of the game, they'll sit down and they'll talk. Well, how did it go? What could you have done better? What could you have done differently? What were you happy with? What were you not happy with? So he's a great head on his shoulders. Now, at 21 years of age, he can be anything really in this league. Whether he goes back or not, I don't know. Who knows? Um, but... Yeah, very. I mean, I looked at his record. What is that? His tenth clean sheet tonight. Ten clean sheet tonight. Every yeah. two games. Yeah, yeah. Ten clean sheet. The joint top goals against. Fourteen goals against. So yeah, going really, really well for one so young, twenty-one. I mean, I remember when I broke into the league at twenty twenty-one. I think I, I got a run of games for about ten games. Now, admittedly, there was a very experienced goalkeeper behind me, but I got a run about ten games, and then I was elbowed out. But there's no sign of that happening to him. He's really confident, very assured, comfortable with the ball at his feet. So I, I, I think he's a great prospect and a great opportunity. He's a, a great career ahead of him. And by all accounts, he's a very sound lad, very grounded lad. And he's every chance of going all the way. And what do I mean by all the way? Having a very successful career. Alan, can I just ask you, because I think when young lads are, are, are trying to break into a team, um, you, can, you can blood them in and they can get bits of chances and, you know, you can pick and choose the game. It's very hard for a young keeper stepping up from underage football to senior football like he is there. And, and you could see him, you know, him growing in confidence for it. But it's not a position you can hide away in. Like we we we've seen our oh, problems yeah, last year in our goalkeeping position. It, it's an unforgiving position, goals, isn't it? 
Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why I, I think most clubs will go for experienced goalkeepers. They look for experience first. Whereas he seems, I mean, I don't know who, who recruited him or who scouted him or how Dundalk came uh, to have him. But like whoever did it, they done, they done a lot of research into him. But for one so young, at 21 years of age, I think I said earlier, goalkeeper peaks around 29, 30. He's, he's way off even peaking. So he's so much to learn, but he looks as though he wants to learn. And he's like, he, from from talking to Dermot about him, he wants to learn and he, he's analysing his own performances. And uh, he wants to, he great career ahead of him, providing he, he has a bit of luck. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, when I compare it to what happened last year, I mean, some of the goalkeepers last year, the Italian, was it the Italian lad? Oh, God. I mean, it was, you could tell, you know, you could feel the tension yeah. on the pitch and off the pitch as soon as the ball went near him. That's all gone. That's that's gone now. Like, it's, there's a, a, a confidence about him. And I'd like to give him the assist on the third goal tonight. It all came from the cross. He Absolutely. Bet yeah. it out to the right back, straight down and scored. So I, I would give the assist to Nathan Shepard for the third goal. Not necessarily for the ball through. <laughs> I'll just—I was going to uh, just, 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 <laughs> just at the top. Just when you come on at the top of the show, I, I was going to ask you a question that we were just talking about the game. But the, I was just saying before Chris came on, that it's twelve months since you come on. It's I think it's like the end of May yeah. last year, which I found hard to believe. I watched the video back today, but just coming on tonight and coming on from last year, the contrast in. I don't know. I don't even even our moods as podcasters or your mood coming on talking with the dog. Like, how much has it changed? You know, Stevie and the lads and your brothers in Dermot and you know Dave and Podge. How much has it lifted the club since, since you've last come on? But in twelve months, it's probably not a better guess to get on. You know, for a twelve month span. Yeah, no, hugely. Because as I was saying, we were talking about, I was talking about bad goalkeepers or poor goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah. Poor as a goalkeeper last year. Whereas this year, we're talking about a good goalkeeper. But not just that. It's the whole, you can feel the whole atmosphere around the club. Uh, and the Americans, they weren't interested in the club. They never were. They were only interested in themselves. So the best thing that happened was for them to commit to go. And to be taken over then, we, you know now it's run by people who love Dundalk, who want to be part of a successful Dundalk, Dundalk team. And then they saw Stevie. However, Stevie ended up in Dundalk. Look, that's football. It happens. But he's made a huge difference. Like the, the difference, the football they're playing. And I think at the start, there was a couple of ropey games early on, but there was always going to be ropey games early on because you're, you're, yeah. you're bedding in new ideas. You have a whole new team together. I mean, you look at the back four tonight. Many of them played regularly last year. I mean, Mark Connolly certainly did. Andy Boyle wasn't regular last year, was he? He was injured a lot. Uh, then yeah. you have Lewis McCarry and Dara Leahy. So, like, the change. And then the way you can see the way they're playing as well, the confidence in their playing. Um, when I was up there a couple of weeks ago, the air of positivity about the place. You know, people want to go to them. I mean, I, I'm jealous of the crowds that Dundalk are getting now. I'm yeah. jealous of the crowds the League of Ireland are getting. You know, they're massive crowds. Who wouldn't love to play in front of them? But again, you're getting all these positive vibes. It's uh, it's, it's lovely to see. And I, I, like, I, be, I would always be a very proud League of Ireland man. And uh, it's great to see the interest in the league. And 
it's the interest you lads are generating as well. Like the, the effect, the impact of social media, I feel on the league has been huge. Mm. Um, so it's it's an, uh, definitely in, in Dundalk, the air of positivity is huge. And now I, I'd say early on, people were saying, "Look, if we finish in the top three or four, now you're thinking." I still don't think Rovers w- won't win it. I'll be, put it that way. Yeah. Because I think that the, the, the biggest squad, they have some really, really good players. But Dundalk are, aren't far behind them. And if they slip up, I, I know there's a 10-point gap at the moment with two games in hand. But I can't see Rovers not winning it. But I think Dundalk will run them very, very close. And uh, Yeah. It's, but I should, going back to what you said earlier, the air of positivity is huge. And, and you can see why the team are performing. It's back. It, people feel it's their club again. It's not some yeah. American over making stupid decisions about basketball players and throw-ins and who should kick ball kicks. I don't know. So it's, you can feel that. You can feel it. That can only exactly. be good. That can only be good. Yeah. And I think the other thing, you know, and, it, and it's a lot of credit to Stephen O'Donnell as well, the, the calibre of players he's he's brought in, they've really bought into his project that he's doing here. And you just mentioned about the town, but they seem to understand what it means to play for the town as well, because, you know, look, Gally, you, you, you would have heard it there tonight, like Mark Connolly was just constantly at everybody. Why didn't you challenge for that header? Why didn't you do this? Like, he is just at it, at it, at it. He wouldn't give you a moment if you were playing with him. But these players that have come in, they absolutely have bought into the, what it, what Dundalk Football Club is all about. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I agree entirely. And having a player like Mark Connolly, that's what you want. Like, you want the more of them type of players who are not just demanding of themselves, <clears throat> but demanding of others. They want other people to perform at the highest level possible. But no one, I mean, anyone coming in, even from, say, the likes of Nathan or, or Lewis McCarry, coming from England, and, and they say, where are we going? Oh, we're going to... They played in the Champions League so many times. She's saying, well, yeah. good. this is an opportunity. So they're coming over. It's not... I mean, remember, I, we, we spoke about there the cup final for Derry. Calvin Plummer came over for two matches. And I remember around that time, English players used to come over to get some money and then just hump off. Whereas these lads are coming over now for a career. And they're becoming... They're, they're being welcomed into, to, into the town. And they know when you walk down the town, now you get abused. You get friendly slagging if you don't produce on the pitch. I know that. But now they're suddenly, you know, we're heroes. You know, so why wouldn't you want to play for Dundalk? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you buy into this whole project? You know, so um, great credit to, to, to Stevie and whoever he has out there looking for players because he's attracted some really, really good players. And grounded players i like you know not just yeah you can have all the ability in the world but if you don't have the character behind that you'll play three or four games and then you're gone whereas these yeah. lads are seem to be all very very grounded want to play for dundalk and want to improve themselves can only be good yeah and and i think if you bring that back to last year alan that that's exactly where we went wrong we were just buying guys thinking well they've they have to be okay because they've, they've played in European football, but you have to get the league, you have to get this club for it all to work. You can't just throw players in and hope it works. You have to get it, exactly. You have you have to want to be here. It's not just a case, I'll make a few bob over there, you know, yeah. And they were offering stupid money, I heard. It was just crazy money. So who wouldn't go? And these are fellas, I oh, just want money. And you could see, 
They weren't going to play for the club. They weren't going to play for the dog. They were going to get a few bob in their pockets. Whereas it's different this year. Yes, I'm sure they're being paid well. I, I don't know anything about that. But they want to play for the dog. They want to improve. And they know this is an opportunity for whatever reasons to improve themselves. Maybe they want to go back across. I don't know. Who knows? But you always want to be the best that you can possibly be. And I would always admire that in a player. And you can see that coming through with the quality of player that Stevie has attracted. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit um, with this next one. If you were Nathan Shepard and you're, you have this season, you have, and you come to the end of the season and you've enjoyed, like he probably has, playing senior football, would you be tempted to stay on and, and grow with this club and, and hope opportunities come later? Or do you grasp it now where he is at Brentford, do you think? No, no, no. I, I definitely stay. Definitely stay. Like, he's, this is his first, his first club that he's been number one choice. He hasn't even played a full season. And this is what I'm saying. He has so much to learn. Now he's in, I, I go back to me, brother. He's in great hands. No better man than Dermot to keep you grounded. He's kept me grounded for all my life, so he'll keep him grounded. But it's an opportunity. And it's not like if I was Nathan Shepard, I could be playing in Europe next year. Yeah, I want to play in Europe. I want to play at the highest level. Yes, maybe two, three years down the line, he wants to go back. And even two, three years' time, he'll only be 23, 24, which as a goalkeeper is very, very young. And what he will have against an awful lot of other goalkeepers, Say the equivalent of where he is now over at, who stay in England. How many senior games will they have played in the three years? Yeah, very, very you. few. Yeah. Whereas he will have, I have 150 games under my belt. I've played Europe 10, 15 times. So who are you going to sign? The fellow who stayed with West Ham or whoever over in England who played the odd game here and there. Or will you sign him who was three years under his belt, all them games, all that experience, European experience. So if I was Nathan Shepherd, I would stay for two, three years, and then you, then he can reassess where he's at personally. But um, no, I would never move if I was at this stage of my career, twenty-one years of age. You just want to establish establish yourself, and you can't say that he's established himself after six months. No, you just can't because that's you might have had a good six months. Some people have a bad six months, but he mm -hmm. has all the signs of being good solid sound goalkeeper so build on it just build on it and get as yeah. much experience as you possibly can and there's probably growth for himself even off the pitch you know it's his first time probably away from being close to his family and stuff like that and being surrounded in, in a full-time senior football setup as well so there's, there's learnings off the pitch for him too i'm sure too it's it's not it's not as simple as rolling up and playing football no, well, you you lads can all remember when you were twenty one. <laughs> Just know, about. What did you know? I know at the time you felt you knew. I'm still twenty one. At twenty one, <laughs> but you know now when you look back, you didn't know an awful lot. But I lived life, so that's he's twenty one years of age. Like, jeez, yeah. it's all ahead of him, all ahead of him. You know, so very grand. And but that's what I like about the reports I've heard about him, not just from Dermot, from other like from Brentford where he was before. What a grounded lad he was, very popular lad. Uh, he was the leader on the pitch, a leader off the pitch. He was made captain of the whatever team he played on in Brentford. They're mm. all very, very positive signs, both as a person and then to carry on to your football career as well. 
so, so a priority for the club to, to maybe get Nathan down, nailed, nailed down on an offer and, and, and show, I suppose, we're a, we're a progressive-looking club. Uh, Alan, look, we, we always appreciate your time um, coming on here, but I, I suppose just, just before you go, we talked about different teams and players you've played for and, and finals and that. If, if you had to pick your best moment um, while, while playing for Dundalk, what, what really sticks out in your mind is that one moment. Jeez, that's, and now you're it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be the podcast. And I'll see you in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I, I, you know, I couldn't say. I mean, the, the the double in '88, the league win in '91. On a personal, then we, I mean, we played Liverpool and Celtic and Oriel Park in front of full houses, held them to nil all scores. We played against Ajax. We played it. It's hard to pin it down to one. I, I just couldn't say one. Because uh, I was, I mean, I was, I always, I was extremely fortunate to experience so many highs in my career. So I couldn't put it down to one. But the, I suppose the two highlights would have been the double, uh, the league winning of '91. They were, the, they were definitely the two, the, the two highlights for me. Yeah, definitely. Win a league is just, yeah, you know, it's just, it's a culmination of a whole season's work and a culmination of people say, well. No one can doubt you. You won the league, and even and the way we won both leagues, we won both leagues on the last day of the season, last game of the season. Yeah, both game we're both leagues to... were won the last game. Yeah. yeah. So how can you, you know, just fortunate to be there and to come out on the the right side of both results? I mean, the feeling in both games. I still, you know, when we when we get back together and we talk about, I still get little shivers. We all get little shivers and just remembered and that feeling. It's, you can't put a you can't put a price on that, but that feeling, oh, I don't know, it's it's just a great feeling. Very lucky I was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I say, I I got caught the other day on on YouTube, and there's a there's an hour long footage from the ADA final on YouTube at the moment, and it's fantastic. <laughs> I highly recommend anyone that, that that's unaware of that final and just just to go and watch it. Be just the, the atmosphere, the crowds, and everything. It was. It, it, yeah. it was unreal alan look thank you as always for coming on we wouldn't mind having you back or i suppose maybe before the end of the year and we'll we'll have a look at how, how nathan performed over the full season how nathan if finished the season absolutely yeah. would love to would love to Chris. Ho hopefully he's tuned in the whole thing thanks alan <laughs> cheers alan i get there Fair with me. the recording <laughs> 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 Oh, that's an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers, Alan. Cheers, Alan. Cheers, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Lads, that's me. It's my favourite Dunno player. Twice I've done it. I'm just that's it. getting happier. That's, that, that, I couldn't, that's what you're saying. I couldn't believe it was 12. Well, I can't remember the exact date, but I, I was watching through the footage earlier on the share. The wee snippet that we had up of Alan Nash. But funnily enough, ironically, talking about the goalkeepers and the state of the goalkeepers at the time. But uh, it, yeah, twelve months. It was it's mad. Like, it, it was one of our actual early guests, and mm -hmm. we, like himself, Martin Lawler probably went at the same time. And I, I don't really remember. Like before, I was, but even to be twelve months past and to have a change of conversation, you know, we're all positive. Yeah. No, no better man to bring on and talk about it, you know. It's it, it it's funny, you know, like like you say, you you think about back the atmosphere and everything in Oriel Park then, and, oh. and the uncertainty of. 
of our goalkeeper positions to, to have someone like Alan Golan and, and speaking so highly of Nathan Shepard and you know the reports that he's hearing back about him you know it, it's it's lovely just to have that we have these players and, and and we're able to watch them at our club at the moment and you think that they have a potential to grow with our club and, and then even further on in their careers later on and hopefully we'll yeah. say like yeah I've seen him play in Oriel Park you know <laughs> yeah well that, that's it I'd like you know, in 20 years time, there might be a podcast or whatever they're doing then, and they'll be talking about Nathan Shepard, because we've, like, the dog have been blessed with goalkeepers. You have Alan O'Neill, you have, you know, Richie Blackmore, before my time, Richie, but Gary Rogers, you know, mm-hmm. even Peter Cherry's league medal, still at the club now, Eddie Van Boxel on, the pitch was great, we won't talk about anything else, you know, but that's, that that type of thing is just, that we have a, a, a good pedigree of goalkeepers at the yeah. football club, a lot of league winners, and yeah, Alan's right up there with anything even just in league of Ireland games anything that, we, that we've had you know yeah, yeah I, th- I think the biggest thing as well that i took out of that is you know the reports that alan's getting back is that nathan's a good lad you know and, and that's something as he said there that's something that was missing last year you had people that were coming in for a pay packet you yeah. know and they were, they were playing for the wages they weren't playing for the club and i think you just look at nathan and you look at even i i, I don't know if, we, if you lads remember it's clear like the first couple of games of the season where we were talking about how mark Connolly was was you know was at Adam and how different it is today in comparison to that. You know, he's settled in, he's done the work. Um, he has to be working hard to be able to listen to Dermot O'Neill every every day of training. So <laughs> take it off. But uh, uh, I'm only saying that because I was actually I was chatting to Dermot today. So, uh, but you know, it, it's good. He's to the back finger. Yeah, exactly. It's good to hear that there's good, honest, uh, good, honest lads back in the squad. And I think yeah. you know, as you say, yeah. you look at Nathan, you look at. Lewis McCarry after extending his loan to the end of the season. You look at Mark Connolly, like all these lads, it's a hard working team. And that's yeah. the biggest thing, you know, in the 12 months from when we were chatting to Alan last year, you know, we, we bemoaned every every game, not every player, but there was there was a handful of players in every game that you said they're just not they're not trying an inch. You know, yeah. and I and I think even on our worst day this season, I don't think we would say if we look back to the, the last UCD game a couple of weeks back where we said how poor Everton was, I don't think it was because the team wasn't trying. No. I think it was just, a, it, it was poor performances. What we were trying to do wasn't working. And I think, you know, as I say, going back to Shepard, I think the biggest thing is that he's a good lad and he's a hard worker and he's wanting to get better. I mean, going into the dressing room after a game, after getting a clean sheet, no matter who it's against, and you're asking, what have I done well? What can I do better the next game? Like, that's that's the kind of attitude you want. And yeah. It's, just, it's it's great to hear that, you know, and it's great to hear someone someone of Alan's stature being able to talk uh, uh, from the experience that he's had and then also be able to talk of the reports that he's he's been hearing from from within. Yeah. And even even if you take sorry, Chris, even if you take the game tonight, just Alan mentioned very quickly, the, the goal, you know, that Nathan's been involved in, he's had pretty much nothing to do the whole game. He comes out and you know, comes out between three or four players, lay it on, takes the ball clean, down the field. And you know you could do nothing for eighty nine minutes. A lot of goalkeepers might have laughed at that, and it it's, it falls into the back of the net. Like that's and that's what's going on up there at the minute. And it's just the attitude; they're on it all the time and as much as they can. And it's it's mm-hmm. a world apart from what, what when Alan was on the last team. I, I think you know when when Alan was talking about you know the, the the back four in front of him. I think you can make a lot of comparisons to to, to where we are at the moment, and and it's it's about commitment levels and expectation. You know of, of players like. You know, you would say probably Andy Boyle and, and Mark Conley, the two seniors in, in, in that defence at the moment. They ask a lot of everyone else around them. But, you know, Pingu, you, you mentioned it there the, at the very start, the, the ball's coming into the box and, and, and he was yelling at Nathan Shepard. But it's only because he knew he could do these things and he wanted to, to get that experience out of him. 
And now I, I watch a long ball come in tonight and, you know, he's, he's knocking headers back to Nathan Shepard, who's collecting them easy, like the understanding they have now. And I think, you know, when you think of the Martin Lawlers and that, that, that you know, Alan would have played with before, there was a great understanding there too. And I think that's that also helps with, you know, confidence in the goalkeeper, that, that they have a confidence in front of him and, 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 and vice versa then as well. And I think that's what we, that's what we see now. And, and therefore... You know, we were on to a 10 clean sheet, lads, and, you know, it's night and day from, from last year. Yeah, and I think, you know, you know, if we look even away from the goalkeeper situation for a minute, all the plaudits right now are going towards Mark Connolly in the back four, you know, and McCarry's playing really well. Leahy, I think it's probably no no real surprise that our upturn of fortunes come now that we've got natural left back playing. But I think there's a little bit of a disservice done, and we've probably done it, and I'd, I'd hold my hands up, I've done it this season for Andy Boyle. I thought tonight, to be fair, it's, it's against an opposition where he didn't have a lot to do, but I thought he was excellent tonight when when he was called upon and driving out, out of uh, out of the back four into the midfield. Like I think he's done he's done very well, and I think I think the good performances of Mark Conley, I think are, I think he can only be as good if he knows that he's got that support behind him in Boiler, and I feel like. You know, again, as you say, Chris, I feel like there's an understanding there now. You know, and, and we probably, again, we probably haven't seen that understanding of probably, probably since Gareth and Boyle before Boyle made the move over to the UK. Like we probably haven't seen that. And before you come on, Chris, we were just talking about the understanding that um, that Paul Doyle and Sloggett are getting a midfield now as well. We haven't seen that. I don't think probably since Shields and Shields and Skip were in there. You know, no, so probably not. We're slowly starting to see this team growing and growing and. Like we've said, and I was talking to Donald a couple of weeks ago for his blog. You, you don't want to make comparisons to teams like Kenny's first team in 2013, but it has that air of it from from then. Where if we had this team together six months before the season started, imagine how good we'd be at this stage. Mm-hmm. And and that's not to blow today's result up as this magnificent performance because it wasn't. It was it was a it was a. Uh, what they call a professional performance you would call it you know they've done what they had to do mm-hmm. but I just think that it, I feel like this team is just getting better game on game on game and you're seeing now slowly Skip is starting to put a bit more more trust in the likes of Ryan O'Kane is that too he played I know in the friendlies but he came on and played what 20 minutes tonight as well um, I think some of those comments just came in for you there Gally yeah <laughs> um, but uh, I think Eamon Collins has someone hacked your account there or something. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's so just pop, it's that's good. how popular we are. People are willing yeah. to hack the comments. It's good to see. Uh, it's good. It's just as I say, it's very very good to see the. Um, the, the sorry, I've lost my train of thought with all these things that are coming up. But it is. It's great to see our team settling. You know, our players settling to with each other and starting to get this understanding of each other. And mm. um, long may it continue. But I think part of that, Pingu, then you look at, the, the, like you say, the substitutes tonight and, and who he's given opportunities to. And, you know, the likes of Ryan O'Kane is getting more of a chance on the pitch now. And and, and he seems to be, we were wondering earlier on, well, you know, Skip hasn't had this chance because of, I, I suppose, you know, there's no League Cup, there's no Leinster Cup where you would get other lads to actually get in there and play some football and you'd get a better chance to look at them. So Wardy's come in and Wardy's come out. A little bit too like um it, it can be a little all over the place towards now i think you're starting to see here's an opportunity to get this player in here's an opportunity to get that player in. and and you you're probably seeing him trust and use his squad a bit more in particular and and, and it was nice to 
have the you know probably two goal cushion and then he could start making making substitutes this morning because I, I think probably looking at the first half he was probably scratching his head going you know what's what's gone wrong here because yeah. you know we there wasn't really great patterns of play we weren't testing keeper you know but when eventually I, I suppose the plan came to fruition for him he then had an opportunity to 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 get Wardy in there, and then Wardy picks up his goal, you know, and and, and same then for O'Kane to get in and get involved, and it's you know it's great, it's great for these players, and it's great for us because I think we're probably seeing with Huben's injury how that can affect your squad, and uh, you probably talked about it already, but I I really felt in the first half we were still playing like there was a Huben up front for us. Every ball was into the chest of McMillan and, you know, his, his back to goal towards, I find McMillan's much easier, you know, or much more comfortable and plays his best football when the ball's in front of him and he's running onto it and he's getting strikes and he's he's involved at the end of play towards, you know, you think of the goal against Shamrock Rovers. Patrick Huben is, is a hardworking player who, who likes to be at the, in creating in some part of the goal and stuff like that. And you think he chests down, he brings Lopez out. And plays it out to Makari against Shamrock Rovers, and that's part of his game. Yeah, two, different, two brilliant strikers, just absolutely yeah. ethics around them. And I think it took us a little while to, to get a pattern of play that would bring Dave McMillan more into the game. Yeah, well, we, we were just saying earlier, you know, it seemed in the first half like everything was get the ball out to the right and get across into the box, like that just seemed to be, you know, we were saying it was rinse and repeat. And then, of course, we scored two goals from a ball from the right into the box. But, uh, but in the first half, it just wasn't working. You know what I mean? And it got it gets to the point we were saying, like with UCD, where the longer they hold on, the more of a chance they have of getting something from the game. And I think we scored. Uh, uh, like McMillan got his first goal just at the right time, um, and it was a typical McMillan goal. I mean, it was a great finish, power bombed it into the top of the net, and. Um, it is. It, it, it's one of those where I, I actually I would kind of disagree with you, Chris. I don't think they tried to play like they did with Hoob, and I feel like he did try change it where the, the ball was coming a bit more direct from wide areas into the box. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like I felt like it wasn't working until it worked. You know. Yeah. But I think I think if we're against a stronger outfit than UCD, they're probably going to hit us on a counter attack. I think because we're against the UCD, that were a little bit slower coming out. That we had the opportunity to keep trying until it eventually worked, you know. So I, I think yeah. he probably needs to look at it. Um, I mean, in in a situation like that with Huben out, and, and you don't want to replace him with two players, but sticking another striker up top, you know, sticking John Martin up there with McMillan <clears throat> might help a little bit. If you don't want to really change how you play, you might have to change the way, like the formation, the way you're yeah. playing. Um, you might just have to maybe stick another body. Maybe if Martin can do that, where he plays with his back to goal and let McMillan run off of him, mm. might be might be the way to do it going forward. But yeah, it, it, it sounds like Huben's going to be out for a little while, does it? Uh, it's 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 at least a couple of weeks anyway. Yeah, that's 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 the talk of it. And um, we could be talking three to four weeks, maybe. Um, unknown, the club haven't really stated. And um, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I I get your point on that. I think what I was. What I was trying to just say was I just thought McMillan just had his back to goal too much in the first half. Anyway, I thought in fact he was a lot more on the on the front foot in the second half. And and like you say, what it was a lot of wide balls and and, and get them in. And you know, we, we we just didn't seem to be on the same wavelength at times in the first half. And then as much as we tried to up the tempo at every opportunity, UCD slowed it back down then again. And then the torrential rain in the middle of it all doesn't doesn't help when you're when you're you know for that sort of tempo as well. So um, I think a lot of that um, probably 
Um, there's there's Frank Harlan because it could be six weeks for for who wow. so that's um that's that, that could be a blow could be a blow um you know and, and and you think you know the lack of the lack of games then for McMillan and and the, and the, the lack of minutes I suppose you would say then for Martin as well it's you know that's that's the other problem with, with that as well that you you'd love to have got these lads in and thankfully you know, Skip had organised the, the, the Lauren match and the Bulls match, and, and was able to get these lads some minutes on the pitch because you know they at least got some sort of sharpness about them. Um, and and the goal is going to help. The goal is going to help McMillan. Yeah, and just 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 when you say the goal, we were at the start of the show, we were talking about how non Pat Hoobin Dave McMillan is, but then the second half kicks in and how Dave McMillan that Dave McMillan goal is. You know, it was just yeah. one of those swings and roundabouts. Yeah, and uh, yeah, look, that—that's what he does. I mean, it, it, you know, McMillan was—you know, we're talking a couple of years ago, European football, top class and top goal scorer at one stage in European yeah. football at one stage. But you know, that—that's the day of McMillan that we're looking for. I mean, if he do, if he does nothing and produces one of them every week, then look, that's—we don't need the actual, you know, the drop in the midfield and all that stuff that Pat Hoogan would do. That engine he has, but yeah, that's that's a fantastic engine. Left peg as well, you know. It's, it's fantastic, yeah. The, the one thing you'd hope as well this time of year is this is the time of year. Unfortunately, we don't have your hope, but this is the time of year yeah. where McMillan shines, isn't it? You know, this is where yeah. he comes to the front, and you would be hopeful in the next couple of weeks that he's gonna, you know, he got what 70 minutes, 75 minutes was it that he played? So he got, um, he got the, the bulk of a game, so that's going to be good for him. And, and getting that goal is going to fill him with confidence moving forward into the, into the next few weeks. And I mean the fact that Europe is on as well. We're coming up against teams that are going to be playing in Europe. Yeah. Um. We have the extra games rest. I. I. I think. Um. I was chatting to someone last week. I think we're looking at the middle of August probably when we're going to play the Sligo game, the refix game now. So. Mm. Um. So you know we've got a few weeks before we have that kind of um, the bulk of games together, but. Uh, We'll have we'll have the rest when other clubs won't, you know. We we are getting that top secret information on your away for a course, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, are we any wiser lads of who scored the second goal? No, Pingu Pingu caught me out a wee bit because I was kind of going to get into it. I, to me, it, the last person I seen touch it from the stands was Slogger, but then it, it seemed to take that long to go into the net. I said somebody else has obviously kicked that. It's obviously hit 27 deflections in the way because it just seemed to take forever. I don't know if it was different from your side, Chris, but it just seemed to take that long to go in. I, mm. I just I don't know. I would put it down the stock simply because he's the last person I've seen touch it, but it definitely looked like it hit someone else. Well, it looked like six the dock players congratulated <laughs> Slogger for the goal. Three, yeah, three, it was kind of three, three shook Joe Adams. And then all the uh, all the UCD players told the defender on the line to go fuck himself. So yeah. I don't know how you can you can pick there through through that who uh, who you think scored, but it looked it looked to me it looked to me actually like it it didn't cross the line with Slogger. Um, yeah. so I don't know it was either an own goal or Adams just got the touch. But if the if the whole ball is not behind the line, I mean it's Adams' goal if he gets it across. So yeah. Um, but we, we were saying Chris that we think uh, Gav Gavin McLaughlin on social media gave it to both Adams and Slogger. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love Mickey Duffy just went and a second goal for Dundalk yes. that was it <laughs> two now <laughs> that was, that was my, my moment of the match and a wardy popping up for for you know if the first goal was a very Dave McMillan goal you know the third goal was a very wardy goal wasn't it you think yeah, yeah because he tried his best to let the goalkeeper save it didn't he like almost <laughs> yeah. like mishit it they still went in so that's he as, gave him every chance as wardy yeah, as it gets yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, just teased enough that it was just out of reach, like yeah, you know, yeah, just perfect. First time as well. I mean, that's yeah, that's the old experience comes in. Whereas maybe a John Martin there, that role might have come on and we took a touch, try and, and in fairness, might have had a chance to take a touch, but instinct just with Wally, yeah, look, that's mm-hmm. yeah, class, class, and he was class. You know, he hardly looked like he broke sweat. You know, he some of his pass, his pass into Rhino Kane. I don't know what minute it was. Maybe in the eighty odd minutes, Kane had brushed in the left wing. It's just class, class, and that look, that's that's what he gives you. Um. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. I think. Uh, we stopped do our um predictions after ninety minutes. So any goals after ninety minutes don't count them. All right. <laughs> I literally went. Is that, that what we're at now? Is it? Was it you who said three or the step? It was me, Gally. Yeah, and I just went, no way. Yeah. I was going to go four. I said, no, I'll rain it back. I think I went four nil the last time and I got, to- I got thrown apart. I think we will. I think we'll get there for it. I think it's. I, I, there is a couple of shouts. There is a couple of uh, Adam shouts, but I. I I think we do have a lot of clear winner. A couple yeah, of comedy ones I, as well. I think for me, I'd probably pick Slogger tonight because I just I, I think he's getting yeah. better every every single match. And um if I could give a, a joint man a match just like the joint goal, I'd give it to him and Adams. But <laughs> uh, but now for me I just think Slogger bossed the game. Him and Doyle are just doing a really good job in the centre of the park and um uh, he, he looks a different animal, doesn't he? He, he he's starting to look like he did in the 2020 European run um, in the qualifiers where he was he was just running the show so it's 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 great to see him kind of stepping forward again yeah he's so composed in the ball like head and he's, he's, he's born like and he's not he wouldn't be like a Chris Shield he's not built like that but yeah he's top class I mean yeah. Dan Kelly had a good game as well he thought he'd done a lot of work on the right but yeah there's only one I mean for me sloggers I think that might be the third time we've given it to him uh, this season, but uh, no, for me, all yeah, all day, twice on Sundays. I, I think we're starting to see that game from Sloggett as well. You know, he, he's he's hungry for the ball, like we would have seen seen Shields. He's done it before. Yeah. Wants to get you know moves started, and he's taking it off the taking off the back four and, and and getting us moving, and he's carrying the ball up. I think similar to a lot of players, I don't think first half he was fantastic, but I I don't think too many players were. But in particular in the second half, I think he actually just helped lift and drive that team. Um, yeah, so it it would be sluggish uh, for me too, which I think is the majority, Lance. Am I right in saying? Pretty much. There is yeah. a couple of shouts for. I, I was just about to say there is a couple of shouts for a BB, but that's somebody mentioned in a different comment. I just caught me. Some Alan O'Neill and um, content too. So I think. Um, for everyone else who has agreed with us tonight, we will pick uh, Colin Mullen. So congratulations, Colin. You are the winner of our Tony's Pizzeria 15-inch pizza. Congratulations. Um, there And have a pizza on us. And thank you, as always, to Tony's Pizzeria. I'm going to get the sponsor thing in nice and early there. <laughs> the type. Um, unfortunately, as results didn't amend the table in too much of a direction no. for us. We we just stay pace with, with where we were. Um Alan's even of the opinion that you know it's probably Shamrock Rovers will just continue this lead. What's what's your opinion? <laughs> go on, I will go on. I'll, well I I can't talk because I said Derry would be running away with it at this stage of the start of the season. Um yeah, squad wise, Alan, like you know, not the who's who might talk talk against Alan O'Neill, but the, uh, on paper it should be Shamrock Rovers because of the squad. Now that Derry 
they're not out of the running, but I mean they've really shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. But I think if we if we can if we can keep players fit, I know Pat Hoogan's injured, but and if they can, if they can make one or two signings, I think we'll definitely be in the mix. Because I think if anybody's going to drop some clangers, it probably is Rovers because the pressure's on them. Like there's no pressure on the dog. Um, yeah. So look, at it, I, once it once it's not over, like with eight games to go or seven yeah. games to go, we've got a couple of games in maybe three or four even. Um, but I, I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion now because. I just think Rovers will drop points. It's whether we can pick them up. It's whether we can stop having shell bones. You know, that's, that's you know, if we can stop, they cut that out and, and even have first half like tonight every week and then play the second half of that tonight. Um, mm. I think I think we'd be, we'd definitely give them a run for it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's just hard to see them lose without playing particularly well, isn't it, at the minute? Though, like, I, I agree with Gally, you'd expect them to, to drop points, but, there's been some games this season where they've they've been one 0 down with two minutes to go and somehow to win two one. You know yeah. they, they just seem yeah. to it's that it's that kind of champions champions mentality or champions performances where they just seem to be grinding out wins. I mean, away to Finn Harps is never easy, but to get a one 0 win there tonight is a big result for them. You know they they'd be delighted uh-huh. going back down to Dublin from there. Um, I I'd I'd my heart says that I want. Dundalk to challenge for a title but my head just said I, I think it's Ro- it's Rovers to lose um, you know so no that's what it is though I mean it is, like you're going to need them to implode like you're mm-hmm. going to need them to they have to drop 10 points and we got to pick them up like it's as simple as that yeah. uh, two wins in hand two games in hand is great but you got, you got to go win them yeah, yeah. look uh, and look Eamon Collins has said something that we've said as well you know they, yeah. they, most of those teams there in 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 around us they, they all have Europe coming out in the next while so they've got that you know double weeks coming up and i know they've some of them have cleared fixtures already and we'll get the back end of those fixtures now and next week and but it's it, when you bring in travel and the expectation and um, that can come from european football you know we we've seen exactly what happened to sligo last year you know yeah. bad in, in europe what was expected of them and, and their season completely you know filtered out then after that into into oblivion nearly and and it and it didn't help then for the start of this year for them so it it, it just goes to show what an effect sometimes Europe can have in a negative or positive way I think um if we if we do just have a look at the table if I can bring this up I should have it here Ta-da. Um, so <laughs> everything stays as was at the top so Shamrock Rovers Keep their 10-point lead on 51 points with Dundalk in second on 41. Derry, uh, a point behind in 40 on 40 points. And then Pats on 35, a gap then of six back to um, Sligo Rovers in fifth. Bowes, 26 points. Shells, 25 points. And Drogheda, 22 points. Then a gap back to Finn Harps um, on 12 and UCD on nine. So pretty much as you were. I would say um for the table lads one eye on next week for ourselves as Shamrock rovers go into europe and midweek we have the drugs and uh, back in heading the game park again and like we gotta we, we we definitely have some ghosts that we need to or skeletons we need to bury from from the last match we didn't do ourselves uh, any justice in in it we know how we can play and if we take anything from tonight's game, 
like I said, when we played UCD, we've come unstuck before, but I think we showed something tonight, especially in that second half, that showed that we can grind out these results now and we have a way of playing. Uh, Pingu, do, do you think we, we've got this axe to grind now um, if, in that fixture and, and we, we need to show them that they, you know, that, that was a, a once-off that time? Yeah, I think so. And again, you look at their result tonight, losing 3-0 to, to Pat. Um it's yeah, I think I, I, I would like to go up there and get a couple of goals. You know, another, another result like tonight, 3 0, you'd be happy, wouldn't you? Uh, a 2 1, actually, I'd be very happy because that's going to be my pick for the week. But just just go up and, and get a win. I mean, as we said, like today, we, we dominated the game without creating a lot in the first half. Like we had, I'd say, if you looked at the possession stats in the first half, it was probably like 75% on dock. If we can go up there and do it, great. And, and yeah, just, just get the win and, and, as you say, put them to the sword it can be difficult up there because of the tight pitch the crowd's right on top of you um, it, it seems like there's nowhere to move nearly when you're out on the pitch there you know because it's so tight and it's I think the, the sidelines are right up against the wall nearly um, but yeah yeah, you'd, you'd be hoping to get another result like tonight and, and let us push on and get get another win yeah Gally yeah, yeah I beat them <laughs> yeah look I mean that's yeah that's it <laughs> uh, I yeah, the low down, like especially they are like Pingu said that pitch looks it looks claustrophobic. You know, I don't know if it like it just looks so tight. Um, but I fully I I after tonight after the second half tonight I I would expect a win. I mean, not a result you expect, you expect a win. I I think it'll be tight enough. Um, I, I don't know if we're doing predictions. I I'll go for, I'll probably go for one nil myself. I don't think it'll be another one like tonight. So I think yeah. draw the look generally they love that match. For the dog game, um, but that the squad we have, look at some decent players drawn. But I think now that they've got the hole in that, they got that result last week off the back. I think, yeah, I think the next couple of games, I think it's Finn Harps after that, is it? Or is the next home game Finn Harps? I could be wrong. It's Pats and then Finn Harps, is it? Yeah, it could be. Um, so you know, it's a chance that they'll still be annoyed over the Shelburne match, I think. So we'll be looking to pick up as many points as we can for the next home game away from home. So no, I, I'd expect a win. Yeah, one nil. I think I don't think it'd be much more than that. But a convincing yeah. one. Really. Yeah, I'm. I'm of the the same thing. I I, I think it's going to be another tight match. It's like I say, they they'll play up to the, to the pitch that's there, and that's and that's every right. They have every right to do that because you know that's that's how they um that's that's how they they they've got the results and they you know they had a good run of of results recently up there and, and you know yeah. and they've pulled some big um scalps then as well, but. I think um, I think they really stopped us play that night in heading the game park. So I think if we go out and actually are able to play a brand of football up there, I think we will just have enough um, to, to beat them as well. So I I go one nil. Everyone's going one nil. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look like I'm a copy. Not, nothing sure to be six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I think we've all been there when we put these big results there, lads, and we and we haven't got so much as a any credibility coming back from those results so yeah. I'll gladly take a 1-0 um, from we that say before we go we should say happy anniversary to Dean Arsenal so 12 years ago today was named assistant manager on the Dock FC team in Greven Macro in Luxembourg he kindly remember, remind us that he did say it was 10 but now he, I think yeah. it's 12 12, 2010, and there we go. I suppose we'll give a congrats to our former manager Ian Foster, who just won the European Championships. Uh, I think it just ended as we started the show t- 
tonight um, with the England under-19s against Israel, 2-1 after extra time. So, uh, congrats, Fozzie. Uh, pity it's England. Well, congrats. Are you not going to tell us your, your, your moment where he called you forward in the dugout? No, nah, he asked a question and I went to answer and he told me to fuck off and don't answer him again. <laughs> yeah. He was looking for his moment standing up on, on, on television here. Yeah, yeah. No, lean into the gap and give him some advice. My favourite moment actually during that year was we, it was up in the Belfield Bowl. We were playing against UCD and the same thing happened. I think uh, it was Anthony Bottomores and he did a little... The, the little referee, like little Sean fellow that used to referee, and he was on the he was on the sideline. And Fozzie went nuts over something, and uh, they said to him, the ref came over and said, "Look, one more word and you're gone." And Johnny Brains on the on the bench with me, and Martin Connolly was on one of his seven holidays that time as well. So uh, Johnny Brains nudging me on the side on the bench, and Paul Cheshire nudging me the other side. Go on, go on, tell Fozzie, tell Fozzie to say something, tell Fozzie to say something to have a go. So because. I'd end up being the one Hats was playing as well. So I would have been the one if Fozzie had even uh, sent off, I would have had to manage the team. But in my head, I was thinking like Roy had a rover stuff. I, part of me was like, go on, yeah, well, I'll tell him to say something. I'll start winding them up or something like that to say something. And, and it'll be in the Argus then this week that the kit, the kit man becomes the manager. But uh, yeah, no, it never happened. Never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, look, congratulations to Fozzie. Um, it, it, it fantastic, fantastic for himself. Um, and great to see him going on and doing something, doing so well. Um, thanks to Alan O'Neill for for popping in tonight. Thanks for um Paul Bean for during the week as well for uh, our video for KickOn that kicks off tomorrow at ten o'clock in the Imperial Hotel. Tickets are only twelve euro, and there's a full day's worth of entertainment um there for you too. So. Highly recommend that as an event too. Thank you so much to our sponsors, to Dundalk Village, to PlayerFit for our merchandise, and to Tony Spicer. You always want, look at me, Gally, like I'm going to get these wrong every week. It's the pressure looking at me is the hardest part. Uh, thank you to Tony's Pizzeria for, as always, for our Man and Match pizza competition. Gentlemen, thank you for tonight as well. And um, for the man who is now an American citizen, I think it would be only right to give you the final word tonight. Thank you. Cheers, Chris. For me and my friend, Bill, I just want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July, all right? And I'll see you all next week, guys. <laughs>